Super Talk Mississippi media production. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will now go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Mike Leach joins us right now, the head football coach at Mississippi State. Spring practice is off and rolling, and uh, Coach Leach is kind enough to spend a few minutes with us. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for your time. Um, I know Haydad wants to jump into some football stuff. I've got kind of a big-picture question at this point in your career, given that you've done what you do offensively, especially for a long time, how do you still grow and evolve as a coach? You know, it's, it's well, first of all, uh, I always remember, uh, I always try to remember the saying, I can't remember who said it, um, but I've heard it, I've heard it quoted a number of times by people that uh, know what they're doing. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, it's what you learn after, you know, everything that counts, you know what I mean? So <laughs> always be learning, always be studying. Nobody ever gets it all figured out or, or knows everything. So constantly study, constantly learn, constantly challenge your ideas, search for, uh, for another way. And then just the reality of football, to me, there seems to be, uh, peaks and valleys in football from the standpoint, all of a sudden, uh, this defense comes in style. Well, uh, when that happens, then, uh, a certain set of offensive plays are now effective that were on the shelf with the previous defense. And so, uh, some things are just good base plays that you got to run all the time. Uh, other things are things that, uh, when the time's right, need to be dusted off and uh, brought back out and other things need to be put away for a little while. But then I just constantly study technique, ways. I mean, uh, I guess the biggest challenge isn't finding new, better ways. It's finding ways to simplify what you have and having uh, the discipline to do it because it's um, – you know, plays are only as, uh, as effective as what uh, the dumbest guy at the point of attack uh, can execute fast, you know. Hmm. And uh, as a coach, if you ask him to do more than he can do, then he's not the dumbest guy at the point of attack you are, you know. <laughs> and, and so, and so you got to make sure that they can do it and do it full steam. And, of course, on all ends, uh, coaches and players, that all starts with, uh, you know, a, a commitment to uh, being as good as you can. You know, uh, used to say it on the side of the Oakland Raiders helmet, a commitment to excellence, you know, and however you want to put it, but everybody trying as hard as they can. What you say about the evolution of football and kind of whatever is in vogue today is for a little while a defense catches up or an offense catches up, but with the era that we're in right now, will it be different this time? Because it feels like conceptually it's about getting guys in space and the RPO concept, which creates this you know weird conflict for a defensive player. I mean, isn't that a philosophy, sorry I can't talk, that theoretically should stand the test of time? You know, I think, um, you know, and, and it depends how specific you want to get, but, um, um, you know, this play, that play, another play, you know, they may uh, 
be exchanged for other plays uh, somewhere along the line. But uh, because defenses do catch up, just like offenses catch up, and so it's almost like like you know a little bit of leapfrog on that. But uh, uh, I, I I do think the, the one thing that that um, you know the stuff that you mentioned illustrates though is uh, uh, the search for space. How do you get space? How do you make the most space? How do you get the best space you can get? And I think that that uh, search for new ways to create space. I don't think that'll ever end. I always thought that uh, the simplest way to describe what the defense's uh, objective is, is to restrict space. The simplest way to describe what an offense does is create space. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Some are good ways, some not so good. Uh, but the the best ones are the ones where everybody believes in it and uh, 11 people are doing it simultaneously. Coach, you sort of got me curious then with this line of questioning. What's something you feel like you've learned maybe in the last year about the game that you didn't know before? Well, I would say that uh, last year was such a disrupted year, um, so you're constantly um, reacting to change. And I think in some ways we did a a pretty good job of that But um, because we had a very young team. We had the youngest team in the country. Uh, or at least in the power five. And then, uh, uh, so I think that I, I would say one thing I thought we tried to put too much in too early, you know, and you always try to fight that. You always try to resist it, but it looks good. It's fun. Uh, you know, you'll get it right once in practice and you tease your way into the fact you could do it every time. And, um, I think that, uh, because we didn't have spring ball, and so there were several dynamics that were a little different. Um, I thought, in in my case, um, I could have uh, made sure that the uh, that we you know that that we are a little more deliberate and specific about putting in uh, uh, what we ran. I thought I thought we tried to do too much uh, early on, and then as we got that tailored back, we started playing better. Mike, I got two questions in my hand. One of them is kind of serious, and the other is a, a little more interesting, I think. W- which route do you want to go? Uh, you're going to fire them out there one way or the other. I, uh, when it's, it's like asking the hitter, you you want the curveball first or the fastball? Throw whatever you want. Well, I was thinking about your fascination with Pirates, and I guess this is kind of twofold. I, I'm, I'm wondering if that's like a lifelong thing that maybe started as as a child. But maybe the more fascinating question for me is, Jimmy Buffett is a guy that also has a huge fascination with Pirates. I'm just curious if you've ever spent any time with Jimmy Buffett. I have it, um, and it's crazy that I've never run across or met him, you know, because I know a number of people around him. I know guys in his band. I know his stage manager. I know his studio manager. And um, I, I just have seems never... like you two would get along. Well, I, I think we would. I mean, uh, you know, I always think I'll, I, I always think I'll get along with everybody, and then <laughs> occasionally you, you encounter a few exceptions. But um, uh, no, I, I mean, 
And then, you know, I got a little bungalow down there in Key West, so I hear about him, and, and I know a lot of people that know him. And I mean know him and not just know him, but know him from back in the day, you know. And uh, I just never have, uh, and, and like literally missed him by uh, minutes, go to somebody's house or, you know, uh, walk somewhere, somewhere on the street. I stop and talk to somebody and, like literally missed him by minutes. I never have, never have met uh, Jimmy Buffett. Listened to all his stuff. Uh, you know a great deal about his background and his story's almost more interesting than any of it. It's, it's like a lot of this stuff. Like I've read a lot of Ernest Hemingway books, and um, <clears throat> you know Ernest Hemingway's life stories uh, easily as interesting as uh, as any of his books, in my opinion. But um, uh, the pirate thing, I mean, there's a, you know, I think all of us as kids, you know, we're kind of fired up about pirates. And some of them you liked, some of them you didn't, you know. Um, some of them, uh, I was fascinated by a movie called Blackbeard's Ghost when I was a little kid. And then others, of course, you rooted against. And the movie Peter Pan, you know, uh, I was busy <clears throat> rooting for Peter Pan and the Lost Boys instead of uh, <laughs> uh, Captain Hook. So, I mean, it varies. But uh, the one thing cool is, you know, all that water. You can't screw up all that water. Uh, they get to travel, wander, and chase the whole <clears throat> urge to see the world. And then as time went on, I read some really good books on uh, pirates. Uh, and then... That became interesting, and then um, uh, when I was at Texas Tech, I um, uh, they did an article on our team in New York Times Magazine. Michael Lewis did the article. Who's a famous writer, a very good writer, yeah. maybe absolutely the best active writer there is right now. Did an article on our team. And we end up on the cover of New York Times magazine and um and when he and he spent a week with us and, and he talked to um some of my players and my players talked about a speech I gave and I'd give all kinds of speeches. I'd talk about, you know, any the historical figures, you know, World War Two stuff, uh Geronimo, uh you know, the Apache Warrior uh, grizzly bears, you know, just anything that, uh, I thought could illustrate a point. And in some cases, cause there's a great story to tell. And then you try to tie it in somehow because in, you know, football, you want to keep it stirred up just a little bit and keep, uh, people's, uh, <clears throat> minds active and excited. And so, uh, I'd given a speech on pirates where I actually had a sword like uh, literally had a metal sword. And as I'm kind of making the points, I'm swinging the sword around the room. <laughs> it's almost know, like there's a book title coming sword? here. Yeah. How are you going to swing your sword? I, you know, and that was the point of the speech. You're going to swing it passive and soft. Uh, are you going to have uh swing it too aggressive, you know, where you're out of control or are you going to swing it uh, with great control, great technique. So it optimizes uh, your, uh, your capability. And so, um, well, so when he, he interviewed some of the players, they talked about the pirate speech and then he wrote some things about the pirate speech. And so then that pirate stuff took off all of a sudden 
there's flags, pirate flags all over Lubbock, Texas. There's uh, the band started playing a pirate song. Our our team kind of just sort of embraced that a little bit, uh, and it created kind of an identity. And we sort of backed into it, you know, because you really don't get to pick your nicknames. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, occasionally it's like the episode on Seinfeld. Somebody tries to uh, pick their nickname, you know, George decides, <laughs> George decides his nickname's going to be T-Bone. And then the boss, as they started talking about nicknames, he named the other guy T-Bone and says, hell with that, George, you're Coco the Monkey. And, uh, of course, George, but so you don't get to pick your nicknames or the stuff you're attached with. And initially I thought, well, I'm getting kind of tired of this, but you know, people mail me really cool pirate books, pirate hats, uh, any doodad with a, with a, a, a pirate logo on it. And, uh, and as I compared my nickname with some others, uh, I became Not so bad, very huh? thankful. I, I became very thankful. I could have done a lot worse, a lot worse. You mentioned Ernest Hemingway a second ago. I gotta ask: Have you spent any time in Cuba? Yes, I have been to Cuba. Uh, went to Cuba for about five days, and I've been to Hemingway's house in Cuba, and I've been to the original Sloppy Joe's in Cuba. I've been to the marina where he used to sail his boats out of. Um, I can't remember the names of the bars. Once the Floridita. Um, <clears throat> where Hemingway used to hang out when he lived in Cuba. Uh, his house is totally intact. And there's even um, <clears throat> this little baseball diamond uh, where he used to go coach up and play baseball uh, with wow. the Cuban kids that would, uh, you know, come there and he'd have baseball games. And then uh, <clears throat> his boat, the Pilar, is there. Um it's, uh, oh, let's see. Basically, they have it kind of dry docked there, and, and um, uh, you can walk around his boat. The, uh, the house, you can look in the windows, and that's pretty interesting. And it's pretty much intact. Like, his stuff's pretty much there intact because um, he left in a hurry as, uh, you know, as, 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 uh, as the communists took over. Uh, he left in a fairly big hurry and left most of his stuff. And I guess thought he was going to get it back, but he didn't. I mean, he has all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, and it looks very Hemingway looking too. It's uh, fascinating stuff. I, I don't remember even what the serious question uh, was that I was going to ask you. So I'll, uh, I'll just throw this one. Who, who's going to play quarterback for you this year? Well, we don't know. I mean, we're in the middle of spring, and so you fight it out and have them battle it out and uh, and see who's playing the best. And then as you kind of start to identify, you try to channel most of the reps uh, to the guys that are playing the best. Uh, and really, because what you want to do is you want to equip them with the best tools possible as they go out and uh, compete, because uh, there's another off season too. You know, when this is over, you know, in the summer they'll lift and run and uh, go out and throw on their own. And you want to equip them with as many tools as you can to be the best they can be. And um, then, 
well, then you'll do the same thing. Then you'll battle it out again. And sometimes there's some surprises. Sometimes somebody ends up on top of somebody else. And so we'll definitely fight it out. Coach, really yeah. appreciate your time. I think Hey Dad wanted to jump in with more, one more football question, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had Coach Arnett on my podcast a few weeks ago, and he told me this was not a, a good question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, and you, you tell me if it's not good uh, or if it is. But you know, this spring, obviously, you know, there's a lot to focus on. But is there any one or two areas that you're, you've got your eye on? Like this is where we have to get better. You know, and, and it's sort of a cop out to answer on my part, but it's true if you think about how young we are. Um, offensive line, we definitely have to get better on the O-line. That's indisputable. And because we have a very young group on the O-line, I mean, like all but one, let me think one. Well, I'm not sure about one guy. They're all sophomores on down. So we really have to solidify that position. Uh, we played with uh, uh freshman and a sophomore running back last year and you know they just need to keep what they're doing doing and uh, doing what they're doing and steadily improve and then uh you know receivers we're still looking for you know those guys that can consistently get separation uh, consistently and and i think i think we have uh, quite a lot of work to do there we've got to steadily improve and then uh you know quarterback uh, will's a young guy and then we've got several guys here uh, uh, competing against him. Uh, you know, uh, Jack Abraham, uh, Chance Lovercheck, and and we'll have some more uh, in the fall. Daniel Greek's here, but we're teaching him the offense kind of right now. And then, um, uh, so, you know, we've just got to constantly give these guys, you know, teach them as much as we can and give these guys opportunities to claw their way to the top. Mike, we really appreciate your time. I'll kind of leave you with this, and you can take the bait or not. I'm curious at all if you've seen this this new NIL bill that has been passed into law in Mississippi, and maybe with the legal background given any real thought at this point as to what this could mean for the program going forward, what it means to recruiting. Is it going to work with the NCAA? Can state law supersede NCAA rules, all of those things? You know, I don't know. I mean, uh, well, state law can supersede uh, those rules, except for then the NCAA has certain rules that you know you that you or others uh, abide by. You know, based on what uh, they allow. You know, so um, I'll I'll be perfectly honest with you on it. This thing started uh, several years back, and then. Everybody went through all the hypotheticals on it, and I spent some time thinking about it, and then I got tired of thinking about it, and the dust is going <laughs> to settle somewhere. Um, the dust is going to settle somewhere, and then, you know, I'll react to it accordingly. But the biggest thing that has to be prevented, that has to be prevented, uh, is we can't get in a position where there's bidding wars. Um, if we get in a position where there's bidding wars, it'll be bad business. And then the other thing is, is um, you know, one of the best things for education and universities is, you know, is people, uh, you know, donate money for libraries or uh, 
classrooms or athletic facilities, that type of thing. Well, now all of a sudden they're uh, paying for running backs and uh, and linebackers and stuff like that. That's uh, that's a bad deal there too. So I think that uh, we got to make sure that uh, you know we just don't get in a series of uh, of uh, bidding wars on these things. And then you know it's it's like on one hand everybody wants all the the things that uh, they see as beneficial about the NFL, and then all of a sudden they don't want the things that are a little more challenging about the NFL. You know, I mean, they want to do all this stuff. Well, yeah, but then they don't have a draft. They don't have a deal where you can just automatically cut a guy. They don't have a deal where you can move salary money around, you know. Um, You know, it's like everybody wants the ice cream and nobody wants to eat the vegetables type of deal. Mama says you got to eat your vegetables also. The coach, Mike Leach, on the Farm Bureau phone line. Can't thank you enough for your time. Always uh, appreciate it and look forward to our visits. All right. Well, thanks so much. Anytime. That is Mike Leach, the head football coach. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.